0: Welcome to Aging in Full Bloom with Lisa Stockdale, sponsored by Capital Health Care Network, an Ohio-based, family-owned and operated company providing solutions that help seniors age on their own terms. Those solutions include home care, senior living, nursing home and rehab care, and hospice. Learn more at CapitalHealthCareNetwork.com. Listeners, thank you for joining today. I have a special guest on the phone with me, Aaron Blight. Aaron has written a book called When Caregiving Calls, and it's brand new, just published. Is that right?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay, and let's before we talk about the book, and there are some things I want to get into in the book. Thank you for sending sending it to me. By the way, it You're always very welcome. It always helps, right? If we're going to talk about a book, if I can read a little bit of it, I want to know a little bit about you. What brings you to this healthcare arena for seniors?
1: Well, Lisa, many years ago, I worked at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I was a Medicaid health policy person at the national level, and while I was there working at CMS, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with a brain tumor. It was unexpected, but it dramatically changed her life and ours. We became family caregivers pretty much overnight, and we ended up caring for her for five and a half years as she battled cancer. And that uh, changed the course of my career. I ended up, after she died, leaving CMS, and I became a home care company owner. And I wanted to help families that were just like mine, that were experiencing trials incidental to age and illness and disability. And so over the years, I was able to help a lot of uh, families through my company. And I, I learned a lot about caregiving and aging and then I studied caregiving in connection with my doctoral degree. I'm not a medical doctor. My my doctorate is actually in learning and education. Mm-hmm. But uh, I studied how we learn and how caregiving changes our sense of who we are and our relationships and, and our view of the world. And so all of that experience led me to to write this book, When Caregiving Calls. And I'm just delighted to have it out there now to to help people.
0: Yeah, it's a good book. It's almost a guide. It's almost a how-to book, if you will. Um, Thank you. Now, where are you located in the country? Are you in Ohio?
1: I am actually in Virginia. Okay. Outside of Washington, D.C.
0: Okay. And what is? do do you still have a home care company?
1: I sold my home care company about three years ago.
0: Okay.
1: And I, I wasn't planning to do that. I received an unsolicited offer to sell and did a little bit of soul searching, and, and that led me to conclude that yes, I, I should sell it. And because I sold it, I was in a position to be able to write this
0: book. Yeah. So a new chapter for you. And then this chapter, you're writing books. How about that? <laughs> That's um, right. How long did you have the home care company?
1: About ten years.
0: Okay. Ten years is good good and long enough, isn't it? Ten years <laughs> of good experience. It's not a, it's not an easy industry, is it?
1: It is. It is a tough industry, Lisa. And I know that I know that you're involved in yes. the field as well. And I you know, I worked with Hospice agencies, skilled care providers. Um, I was a franchisee for Home Instead Senior Care. Had a couple of different franchises actually, but mm-hmm. worked with worked with providers all over my community. It was about a three thousand square mile territory, and had uh, four hundred employees at the time that I sold.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't want to be an owner. Um, I have so much (laughs) love and compassion for our owners. I mean, you know, we're a company, so it's a little bit different um, support structure, but it is not an easy gig. You have to have a real passion for it. Um, And we do. And one of the reasons it's not easy is because we have a a shortage of caregivers um, out there. Yes. And so that makes it difficult to get the job done. But we get it done day after day, day in and day out. Um, And when we can't service somebody, we find somebody like Home Instead or HomeWell or some other um, home care organization that does have staffing at the time. So that's another thing. Like, we, we don't have to be hateful competitors. Um,
1: I, yes, I agree. We're, we're all in this together. And I, in the industry, there are so many good-hearted people who are in, in it for the right reasons. Yes. And you can, always, you can always tell when uh, the, the people in leadership positions are doing this for the right reasons.
0: I agree. And by the way, since I plugged everybody else, we're home care concierge. <laughs> <laughs> just in case, just in case you didn't know that, um, here in Columbus, Ohio. So, you have written this book, um, and I want to talk to you, I want to start with chapter five. Um, you give us a quote about time, and you say, when someone is going through a storm, your silent presence is more it, more powerful than a million empty words. I wholeheartedly agree, but tell me why you included it. <laughs>
1: Well, that was a, a quote that I thought was, in many ways, reflective of what caregivers can do for care receivers. And sometimes, you know, a lot of caregivers want to be able to fix, to fix what's wrong. And, and you can't, you know, as a caregiver, you're looking at your, your loved one and the, the person or the, the care receiver, the person that you're caring for, and you, you can't fix them. Right. A lot of times, the best thing that you can offer is to be there. Yes. And your presence can make a huge difference in how that care receiver is feeling about their situation and their life.
0: It does matter. Being there matters. And you you write your first sentence in this chapter is, Time is a precious resource, Um, and it's also um, a sacrifice. Time is a sacrifice, Um, but we give it lovingly. And I've heard people say, well, you know, for my mom or dad, um, they've got dementia, and I don't visit because they don't remember. And I go, oh, gosh. Can we please retrain the way you're thinking about that? (laughs) Because they may not remember the visit, but there's an emotional response to the visit um, that just can't be overstated. So time is a precious commodity, um, and it's one that caregivers give. And sometimes you don't need words. It's just enough to be there.
1: I wholeheartedly agree with you, Lisa. and the chapter in When Caregiving Calls on Time is a little bit unusual. Um, A couple of people have told me that they didn't expect to see a chapter in time. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, the chapter on time is something that you you don't always find in books about caregiving, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a very important aspect of caregiving, that there are a lot of temporal considerations that come into play. And as you said, caregivers can give time um, and it's a meaningful gift to give to your care receivers. Even if they don't necessarily remember your presence, um, you can have an impact on their well-being just by showing that you are there and showing that you care.
0: Absolutely. And the, other,
1: the other thing I would say about that, Lisa, is there's another part of of being with a person with Alzheimer's and if you're a family member, uh, you will remember um, what you did or did not do for your loved one mm-hmm. in the future. There there will come a day that they're gone, mm-hmm. and you'll have the rest of your life to reflect upon the time that you spent with them.
0: Yes, or the, time, so I, or the time that you didn't spend. So do it right, because there are no do-overs. Right. Do it right. That's right. Now, you have a chapter, chapter 9, which I also loved, and I want to... Um, I want to read something to you. It says, I was once asked to name my happiest and saddest moments in caregiving. After some thought, I identified one moment that I considered citing as the happiest. Then it occurred to me that the same moment could also be considered the saddest. Tell me about it.
1: Yes. So, Lisa, this, this was such a memorable moment for me. I was in the home of a client. She was an 84-year-old woman. In the book, she's called Alice. Uh, her name has been changed. But she had Alzheimer's disease, and she had been a concert pianist earlier in her life. And I was there with her in her living room, and I noticed her grand piano over there in the corner collecting dust. And she, when I was with her, she would just repeat herself over and over. She would talk about the weather and her husband and the weather and her husband and the weather and her husband. Mm-hmm. And it was a circular conversation as it sure. usually is with people with Alzheimer's. And so I was patiently, you know, responding to the things she wanted to talk about the weather, her husband, et cetera. And, but I kept <laughs> eyeballing the, the piano over there in the corner. Uh-huh. And I, I asked her if she would play something for me. And she just kind of said, "Well, it's been a long time." And I encouraged her, you know, and and said, "Well, I'd love to hear you play something." So she got up and, and shuffled over to the piano and sat down. And as soon as she put her hands on those piano keys, her her back arched straight up. She was just like erect, and she had this instant energy that came upon her, and she played the most dynamic classical piano piece. It went on for over 10 minutes. I I timed it. I looked at the clock. I couldn't believe what I was watching because she was such a a, a soft and a frail and a weak person before she sat down at that piano bench and when she started playing it was like she was at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. I mean And she had played in Carnegie Hall and all of the great concert halls, all she traveled across the U S playing piano. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, uh, my jaw dropped. I was just like in awe that this frail woman with dementia could, that that came out of her. Mm -hmm. And when she finished, she paused for a minute. She kept her hands on the piano. And then she took her hands off the piano and turned herself to me, and immediately started talking about the weather, and then her husband. Yeah. And um, on the one hand, it was such such an exhilarating, celebratory, amazing experience. And then the next instant, it was it was so sad.
0: Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm, I'm, I feel that with you, and that is an amazing, beautiful story. She was in her sweet spot. Um, and still a performer and still able to bring it and then when she wasn't she was back in her dementia yeah. and that's a heartbreaker um, for us all um, yeah. but she was at home
1: she was at home okay. and she stayed at home uh, all the way up until she passed away
0: and home matters in fact you have a chapter on home um, and you start with a my Angelou quote, good for you um, uh, and <laughs> The ache for home lives in all of us. The safe place where we can go as we are and not be questioned. That is one of the beauties of home. You can just be who you are and you never worry about it. And you never worry about get questioned. And you tell this story that you met a 97-year-old man, a rancher. Um, You had arrived at his home to discuss home care services. I suspect this was in your 10 years um, as an owner. Yes, Yes, it was. He lived on a spacious ranch. I don't know if that means a house or a real ranch. Maybe that just means a house, huh?
1: Well, it was a a house, but it was a ranch. I mean, he had animals there and horses and
0: everything. Good. I I like to be right. (laughs) (laughs) One of the first things I asked him was how long he had lived there. He snarled with a drawn and a tone of a dog determination. I've lived here on this ranch for 70 years, and I'm going to die here. I looked over at his son, who gave me a knowing look. He suddenly shook his head, but didn't say a word. What's that all about? And I'll bet that wasn't the first or last time you encountered that kind of (laughs) response.
1: Yeah, he was was so determined. You know, I mean, I'll I'll never forget how he... I'll I'll always remember how he looked and how he sounded. I've lived on this ranch for 70 years, and I'm going to die here. (laughs) That was... That's how he sounded. That's exactly uh-huh. how he said it. And his son just just looked at me and just kind of shook his head. Like you could tell, the look said it all. Mm-hmm. But the man had been in the hospital. He was hospitalized and discharged from the hospital to come home to to pass away. That's those were his last wishes. Was were, he wanted to die in his home? And did and he? He did. Um, His son was very relieved to discover that with the support from a home care company, his father could fulfill his final wishes and and pass away peacefully in his home.
0: Yeah. I do a commercial for one of our home care agencies, and I don't remember the exact statistic, but I think it's something like, let's just say it's 85%. 85% of older Americans want to live and die at home. And the other fifteen percent misread the question. It's really, it's really where we all want to be, right? Because it's our, yes. it's our comfort zone. It's our safe zone, and there's so much that goes. It's not just that. It's also where we raised our families. Um, it it's, is. it's, it's where our history is. Um yes. So it's not. Some people think it's being materialistic. It ain't about that. It's about um, an emotional connection to a place. It's
1: about, it's about your identity. Mm -hmm. You know, there, like you said, there's so much of who you are wrapped up in that place. And so many memories, you know, if you have a a widow and she looks around her home and there are reminders of her husband everywhere, you know, maybe her husband built the dining room table or, you know, the the things from her family and, and then her neighborhood and her, her neighbors and the mailman and, Mm -hmm the church and you know all of those things right they mean something and and that's why older people want to stay there
0: yeah and and it's real what what it means is real to them so don't challenge them just learn to get along with it um yeah. so you talk about emotions and you just kind of tapped on that i love the fact that you included a chapter about emotions because i think it's too often overlooked um, emotions on both end of the continuum, positive and negative highs and lows and any given day for a caregiver. That's just the way it is. Yeah.
1: It is. And it's a roller coaster of emotions. And when caregiving calls actually includes a, an alphabetical list of, of emotions, I think there's hundred some emotions listed and the reader is invited to, to go through that list and circle the emotions that are the most reflective of how they're feeling Mm -hmm. about being a caregiver and just doing that can be pretty illuminating and can help you to realize, you know, what kind of effect, what kind of emotional effect, uh, caregiving is having upon
0: you yeah I, I'm, I'm just looking at something hateful hopeful insecure irritable lonely loyal merciful needed nostalgic overwhelmed pessimistic puzzled remorseful and you might fill them all in one day right on a bad day yep. Yep. <laughs> on a bad that's day um <laughs> and that's why you might need some help right you might need to call an agency or or um Call a neighbor, phone a friend. Don't don't try to go it alone.
1: Yes, that's one of the big themes in When Caregiving Calls, Lisa, is to get help when you need it. A lot of times family caregivers feel like they need to shoulder this alone um, as if they're not as loyal or devoted if they share the caring responsibilities with others.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: that's just not the case. I mean, there's only so much that one person can do especially when your loved one's needs are around the clock. Um, It can be a relentless uh, effort to support your loved one. And so if you're able to have others to assist in the care for your loved one, that can actually help you to, to do better emotionally, physically, and, uh, it's good for everyone when when caregivers do better care receivers also do better
0: yes fair point We, we talk about caregiver stress for a reason because it's a thing um it's real it's not just a slogan it's not just a phrase um that we throw around it's a real thing and it has a real impact and you did one other thing that i love in the book you included a chapter on faith why'd you do that
1: i did Because, Lisa, I can't imagine being a caregiver without having faith to sustain you through all of the hard times that you experience. And I talk about faith at three levels, faith in yourself, faith in tomorrow, and faith in God. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of those are important components of how faith can enable you to be successful in the caregiver role over the long haul
0: yeah and we talk about enablers and we think that's a negative thing but in this case it's a positive thing when faith enables Ah. you (laughs) that's something different because that's full of hope um yes it is and so it makes it a whole different type journey what what do you want us what do you want the readers number one takeaway from this book what do you think it should be
1: well, Lisa, when I wrote When Caregiving Calls, I kept thinking about the people who would read the book, family caregivers, and what they're going through. And the 18 chapters are all topics that caregivers have to think about. And uh, so the, they, they inform caregivers but I wanted to do, I wanted to write a book that did a little more than than inform a caregiver. I wanted to do something that could potentially transform their thinking or mm-hmm. transform their experience, transform their lives. And so this is where my, my doctoral degree in learning came into play. And I added after each chapter, questions for reflection. And the questions for reflection are designed to prompt the caregiver to think about what they just read in the chapter and to apply it Mm -hmm. to their personal caregiving situation, to their personal caregiving journey, and even write about what they think and what they feel. And if the caregiver attentively does this throughout the entire book, they're going to gain insights, self-discovery that will help them to be more successful, more proactive in the caregiver role, they're going to gain insights that they didn't know that they had. And at the end of the book, uh, the caregiver is invited to go back and and reflect on everything that they've reflected on, and then prioritize their their actions to to make life to make life better for them as a caregiver and for their for their loved one.
0: Yeah, and let me just say that your motivation in writing the book shines through. Aaron's not trying to sell you anything. It's not about that. He's not trying to self-promote. It's not about that. It is a a self-help book. Um, He's asking you to take a a little deeper dive, a little deeper look. Um, You owe it to yourself. Be good to yourself. Um, And like I said, it shines through in every way. Um, parting words. i so glad to hear you
1: say that, Lisa. Uh, Thank you.
0: Well, I mean it. I absolutely mean it. And you should buy the book, folks. And where's the book available? I don't think I, I asked that question.
1: It's available through online booksellers and also through local retail booksellers. Um, so you could buy it through Amazon or Barnes & Noble okay. or local, local independent bookstores. You, you can go into your local store and ask them for the title, and, and they, they may have to special order it for you, but they have access to it as well.
0: And again, it's called When Caregiving Calls by Aaron, and that's A-A-R-O-N, Blight, B-L-I-G-H-T. Leave us with some parting wisdom. Dear sir,
1: I I just want to thank you, Lisa, for giving me a few minutes to talk with you about caregivers and caregiving today. I really appreciate the time, and you clearly have a, a knowledge of caregiving and a desire to help others as well. So, thank you for that.
0: Well, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Um, I'll, leave, I'll leave our listeners with some parting wisdom. Buy the book and read it. You'll enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> It'll make a positive difference in the way you look at yourself and the way you provide care to your precious loved ones. Listeners, thank you for joining. Till next time, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be forever at your back.